You're listening to Compassion Church Dixon Podcast. All right, we're going to continue a series called Return to Cinder. How many of you are liking this series so far? Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. We're talking about stewardship. It's a stewardship series. We're really not talking about the stewardship of time, talent, and treasure. We're just talking about that treasure side. What does the Bible say about biblical principles when it comes to my finances, okay? Last week, we talked about the parable of the talents. We talked about stewardship. We talked about first things first. We talked about how you should put God first. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, to seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. When you go back and read that in context, the things are clothing and food and natural things, just the things that it takes to live an everyday life. Here's God's promise. If you put me first, you'll never have to worry about all those things. Right? So, but so many times, here's what happens. We get so distracted by the things that we neglect God. And what God's trying to do is He's trying to teach us through His Word to not neglect Him. And when we do not neglect God, we get taken care of on the backside. Right? So last week we learned this. God owns... Everything. <laughs> that's right. God owns our steward. God owns our steward. Someone said manage. Same thing. I manage it. We are managers, not owners. You don't own anything. You go, well, hold on a minute. I own my car. Well, 90% of people probably have a payment on their car, which means you don't even own the car you drive. Just quit paying the payment on the car, and you'll find out who the owner is. Okay? <laughs> Quit paying the payment on your home and you'll really find out who the owner of your home is. We are stewards. So God owns our steward. Now I want to make a couple statements. I made these last week. I want to set this as a firm foundation of the sermon today. First one is this, because you may be new today to our church or, or maybe this is the first installment of a series that you've heard you didn't hear last week. Here's what I want you to know. If you make this about money, you... You miss it. If you make it about money, you miss it. You go, well, it is about money. What do you mean? Just, just listen. It's not really about money. It's about the principle, okay? It's about putting God first in every area of your life. I'm a firm believer that where the pulpit is silent, the people struggle. There's a lot of people struggling even with church leadership or within the relationship to the church when it comes to this topic because pastors are not preaching about it and teaching about it from the pulpit, okay? But here's what I want you to get. I'm not trying to get something from you. You say, well, he's just up there trying to get more money out of me. Then don't give more money. You can do whatever you want to do, okay? I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you. This is a principle. I'm trying to get these things to you. Amen? All right, Luke chapter 16. We're going to read verses 10 through 12, and I'm going to try to make this one pretty quick. I've been preaching, no, no kidding. I've probably been preaching for 45 to 50 minutes every service. And that's no joke, which is about 15 minutes over what I usually preach. And some of you said, that dude's a lie. He preached 50 minutes last week. <laughs> right? But I, I'm going to try my best to cut out any of the fluff 
and we're just going to go straight to the point. Can we do that? So, so you got to get ready. you got to prep yourself for this because some things sting. I want the Bible to sting me in a good way. I want the Bible to really correct me, bring correction. There is no condemnation in this, in this sermon, okay? If you feel condemnation, you tell the devil to go right back where he came from. Nobody's trying to condemn anybody. But if we need to grow in our walk with Christ in this area, then we need to grow with our walk in Christ in this area, all right? Luke 16, verse 10, it says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Makes sense, doesn't it? Verse 11, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Let's stop there just for a moment. They're going to keep the scripture up on the screen. So let's look at this. If you would, I'm going to the middle screen just for a moment. So therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, he mentions, he mentions unrighteous mammon. He goes on to say, who will commit to your trust the true riches? There's this differentiation. Uh, that was the wrong word. What the heck was that? There's this difference in what God is trying to say, what Jesus is trying to say in Luke chapter 16. He's talking about unrighteous mammon, but he's also talking about true riches. A lot of times what we would identify as true riches is unrighteous mammon. Unrighteous mammon would be what we would call currency. Currency, our currency. If God can't even trust you with your currency, with what your livelihood is, because money is life, right? If you don't make money, you're probably going to struggle. You, you have to have money to buy food. You have to have money to buy home and housing, and you, there's money. Even if you go to a house, a, a homeless shelter, someone has to have funds to pay for the food that's being given out at the homeless shelter. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's this unrighteous mammon that's out there, but God breaks it down and he says, but there are true riches. And if you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust True riches. So in other words, he says, you think true riches comes in unrighteous mammon. I'm telling you there's something greater than unrighteous mammon. It's called true riches. It's the blessings. It's the favor. It's the mercy. It's the grace of God. And when we're faithful in what is least, he'll begin to make us ruler in what's a lot. He goes on in verse 12 and he says, And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So many times we are looking for God to bless us. God, would you bless us? Would you bless us? Would you bless us? Listen, if God can't trust us with what we currently have, what makes us believe he's going to give us more? God's not going to give you more when he can't trust you with what you have. Let's break it down into elementary terms. If God can't trust you with $300 a week, what makes you think he's going to trust you with $600 a week? So today's sermon, I want it to be titled, What's Inside? What's Inside? The whole concept of return to center, signed, sealed, and delivered, the whole concept was built off of mail, you know? Sometimes when it's not yours, you have to return to sender. And you have to sign it, seal it, and deliver it back. You have to put it back in the mailbox. 
So if we look at ourselves as envelopes, like you would look at your envelope in a mailbox, what happens when you get a piece of mail in and it's interesting and it says IRS, what's the first thing that you do? Some of you is like, burn it. <laughs> no, there's something on the inside. So what do you do? You try to open that thing up to see what's happening on the inside. Or if you get a bill, what is it? You look at what's on the inside. If you get a letter and you think that that letter is a birthday card or something, what are you looking for? You're looking for what's on the inside. I think that we're like envelopes to God from time to time. And what He does is He kind of cuts us open and He looks at the inside because the facade is not what matters with God. It's the heart that matters to God. So when I say what's inside, I'm talking about the heart, which leads me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. The Bible says, where your treasure is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, your treasure will have this imaginary, I can't even talk today, this imaginary chain, your heart and your treasure are connected. I've pit back here on my butt. I'm not patting my butt in front of you, but that's usually where men will put our wallet back in our back pocket. Have you ever seen a biker, or maybe they're not a biker, maybe one of you's got in here, I'm not making fun of you or anything, but they have a chain on their wallet, right? And it's connected to their belt loop or something. So if somebody comes steals my wallet, it's gonna be they're gonna steal my butt. Hallelujah. I'm going with my wallet. But what happens is that that's what it's like spiritually. There's this imaginary chain connected to our riches and our heart. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I believe it was Adrian Rogers that said this. I, I used to study this all the time, and I still do when it comes uh, probably September, October. I'm just really studying on this topic to get ready for the November series that I do every year. But Adrian Rogers said in a sermon one time, he said, show me your bank account and I'll show you your heart. And now I know that that gets really personal today and it's like, oh my gosh, is he really saying that? Yes, I am saying that. When's the last time that you checked your bank account on what you give to God? Rather than categorizing all of the other stuff. Well, I'm, I'm going to budget 20% for groceries. I'm going to budget 25% for mortgage. I'm going to budget X amount of dollars for this, X amount of dollars for that. Where does God stand in your budget? Okay. Should be, right? Should be first. You guys are getting it. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. Let's go back. Same text. We're just reading the next verse. It says this, Jesus was talking. He said, no servant can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Listen to what he says. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. So what we have to do now is we have to identify what mammon is, and that word mammon is translated into wealth, treasure, or riches. Here's what he's trying to say. This is Jesus speaking himself. You cannot serve both God and your wealth, your treasure, and your riches. One of the two has to be Lord in your life. Both can't be. You can't serve both. Well, I'm rich. I, I don't honor God, but I'm rich. A rich man without God is just a poor man with money. Rich doesn't mean, if you're rich spiritually, it doesn't mean you have a bigger bank account than someone else. Rich spiritually means that you have greater blessing. It's not about the money. See, if you make it about the money, you miss it. You miss it. So the question should be, is our central focus on God or mammon? 
Whichever it is, that is where your worship will lie. And some of us, I have been there before. We've had the boats. I, I've lived that life. We've had the boats and the car, cars and the multiple cars. And boy, it was nice being a farmer. We've had all the stuff and all the stuff you could get. And all of our kids always wore nice clothes and this and that and all the stuff. And before too long, what you find is you've neglected God while putting all this, this stuff into play in your life. You know what Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 says? You can just write it down. It's not going to come up on the screen, but here's what it says. It says, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. So when you fall in love with money, you'll never be satisfied with money. You're not going to be satisfied. Everybody's money, 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 money. Oh, I just need to make more money. You don't need to make more money. <laughs> I loved it. I think that was on the radio. Was that on the radio? Tell them I heard that all the way out of here. That was hilarious. Somebody's singing in the back. That's great. But here's what happens. If you fall in love with the wrong thing, you'll never be satisfied with it. You'll never be satisfied. It goes on to say, nor he who loves abundance with increase. So the more you get, when you start getting more, you're no longer thankful for what you're getting. When you fall in love with the wrong thing, you miss it. Luke chapter 16, verse 14 and 15. Now the Pharisees, this is, this is the next verse. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things. So they're sitting there and they're listening to Jesus. They're hearing Jesus, how you shouldn't serve or you can't serve two masters and you can't serve both God and mammon. And God knows their hearts at this moment. He's saying this on purpose. He's not just saying this so that everybody around him can get a little life principle and a lesson. I believe he's saying this so that the Pharisees can hear what he's saying. Because sometimes we get it out of whack. Because we become lovers of money. What does 1 Timothy 6.10 say? Do y'all know what 1 Timothy 6.10 says? For the love of money... Is the root, so, see, we, we quote it like that. It's the root of all evil, the Bible says, and that's right, but the Bible says it's the root of all kinds of evil. Okay? Is that what 1 Timothy 6.10 says? Is it? Yeah. It is. It's the A part of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. But we fail, <laughs> he said, come on, B part. Hallelujah. <laughs> come on, B part. We fail to mention the B part, and here's why most preachers fail to mention the B part, because the B part's a little confrontational. And here's what the B part says. Let me get back to my notes here. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. That's the B part of that very verse that we'll quote just like that. Some people, do you know that there's some people because of money have strayed from the faith because they are greedy? Mine. Mine. This is mine. No, nothing is yours. God owns. I steward. We learned about that last week. Now if we got, it's a heart check. Now we got to get our heart right so that our heart lines up with the things of God. And once our heart lines up with the things of God, everything I have, God, is yours. It doesn't matter. Ask me for whatever. You'll always be first in my life. And if you want to empty my bank account, empty my bank account. I hope and pray you don't ask me to empty my bank account. But Lord, if you want it, you got it. Verse 15. And he says this. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. And then here's the big kicker right here. But God 
But God knows your heart. Well, Pastor Jamie, you just, God knows my heart. And I know I I get on this little kick a lot and I I just have to ride it out. This is a wave I like riding. Just call me a wave runner today. Vroom, vroom. Here we go. Right? But God knows my heart. That's right. God does know your heart. Just like God knows my heart. And God knows. We may put it in a package and word it in a way that we think God is going to totally change His Word and give us an exemption or an exception for obedience because of our situation. Nowhere in the Bible do I see that God gives an exemption to what His Word says. He doesn't give you an exception or an exemption from a specific, specific thing that He has called us to do and He's instructed us to do because of your situation. The truth is, let's, let's use Jamie. If I'm in a situation, Jamie's in the situation because of Jamie, not God. God didn't put me in that situation. I went and bought something that I couldn't afford, which is the problem with most Americans. We're buying things that we can't afford, but then we blame God of why we can't afford them. Or we say, but God knows our hearts when we've put everything else in front of God and God's out here by himself going, really? (laughs) Wow, okay. Died on a cross. Thank you, Jesus. So I got an illustration for you today. I hope that it it kind of rings home to you just real quick. So if you will, go ahead and come out. Hey, throw that up there to me just real quick. Yeah, throw it up here. Huh? Oh, is that yours? I got you. Okay, all right. So I love that concept. So let's just set these things down here just real quick. What y'all think about all this? Hey, woo, got them filled up with $100 bills today. We're going to be giving some out. Y'all ready? Look, some of y'all are like, heck yeah, $100 bills, $100 bills. How many $100 bills are getting that little bag, Pastor Jamie? It's just, it's just uh, stuffing or something. I don't know what all it is. How many of these are God's? Are you sure? What part of this is God's? 100%. They're all God's. Why? Why would I even say that this is God's? This is all God's. Because God owns everything. Thank you. Tyler, you're so amazing. Look, because God created it. This is God's. This is God's. Now let me ask you a question. If God has called us to steward all of this, this is God's, right? So God has handed this to us, and now on the earth we are to steward this. What does God ask back from us? Okay. So, which one of these is God's? So, so let's just use it as an example. This is God. So what I want you to do, Alicia, give it up for Alicia just real quick, okay? Now, Alicia, what I want you to do. Now, what you have done is you have taken the first of your increase and now go give it to God. Now, y'all tell me, give it up for Alicia. Thank you. You're so awesome. All right. Now, y'all tell me, what's the difference? Now, I want you to look at this. Let's just add it back real quick. What's the difference? Who said that? You You can't even tell the difference. You can't tell the difference. Faith is in the first. This is why I always say giving is a heart issue. You're either going to put God first or you're not going to put God first. 
You're either going to look at this and go, okay, God, you are first in my life. I give that to you, and you're going to live off of 90%. 90% blessed is better than 100% cursed. I promise you, it'll go all the way for you. But now I want you guys to just be ready, all right? I'm probably going to go right over here to this area. You may, you may get a, little, a couple too, because here's what happens. If you don't watch it, you don't put God first. There's not faith in the last. There's no faith down there. If you finally get to the point, you go, okay, honey, where are we at? Oh, whoo, thank God. Boy, we can give God what's his. Go ahead and write that check. There's no faith in that. What are you talking about? And I know it's a little uncomfortable because we're talking about money. But if you don't watch it, here's what happens. You get your paycheck. And guess what? The government, I mean, come on. They're taking theirs out right off the top. For, forget, hey, listen. Look, look, for the business owner in the back, you better throw one more. You hear them? Because if you're running a business and it's successful, you're paying about 30 to 35% in taxes. <laughs> that business owner, there you go. Right? So you, you, so, but, but the government just takes it right off the top. And not only that, now here you've got, you got your mortgage payment, some of that, some of you guys are your rent payment. Come on, rent in Dixon County. My gosh, terrible. Kick the door down of the devil. That's terrible, right? But you got rent, you got all the other types of things that is going on and groceries and all other kinds of stuff and utilities. And, and then you got this one thing that's a big, it's a big problem in my house, but it's called the Mexican restaurant. You got that? You got that one going on? Come on. My gosh. I mean, somebody's making a living off of me. Me and my family. But then if you don't watch it, what do you got left? You got what's God's left. But hold on a minute. Now, God, this is where it comes in. But God knows my heart. This is it. Say it again. He sure does. He knows because he knows what you just distributed. He knows all the stuff that you've already put in front of him. So now the test is, are you going to have faith enough to go ahead and give to God, or are you going to hold back? And I've heard people say this before. It never works, by the way. They're like, hey, God knows my heart. I'm just kind of holding back, and one day I'm going to catch up. <laughs> I'm like, girl, boy, this ain't no Heinz business. You ain't going to catch up. <laughs> ain't nobody catching up. Nobody's catching up. Nobody. That, that's, that, we won't go there. Anyway, so, so throw those back up. Just, y'all just start tossing them up here. Come on, toss them up here. You got it. Come on. I believe I can fly. Yeah, here we go. Come on. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. There you go. There you go. There you go. Don't throw your Gatorade, Jim. Here we go. This is your life. Where does God fit in your life? Come on, if we don't watch it. Now, before I say this, I want you to know, Romans chapter 13 says to respect, honor, and submit to your governing authorities. That's what the Bible says, okay? So I'm not coming against anything here, but here's what we'll do. We'll pay taxes. 
to a government his son don't even trust. And not even think, not even think about it. Do you know that today, how many of you need to go grocery shopping today? Anybody? Anybody need to go grocery shopping? All right. Did you know that 9.65% is going to go to a place that you probably don't even like where it's going and what it's supporting? We think nothing about it. Nothing. If we don't watch it, we will honor man more than we honor God. And here's what, throw those back up here to me just real quick. Throw them up here. Yeah, it's good. Thank you, sir. Ooh, got a little arm on you there, buddy. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you've never read the book, I know it's a secular book, but go read the book if you're interested in investing and, and doing all that type of stuff, okay? But Robert Kiyosaki makes a statement, and I want to turn his statement because I think it, it could... It happens spiritually too. Not just this natural statement he makes. But here's what he says. He says the rich invest their money and then spend what is left. The rich do that. People of this world, they don't know anything about God. they're They're not even thinking about that. So before they do anything with their money, what they do is they come over here and they invest their money and then they're able to live off of and splurge and buy yachts and all this stupid stuff that's going on over here, right? And I'm not against yachts. If you got a yacht, take me with you, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Not against any of that. Have fun, but honor God first. But he says the rich invest their money, right? And, 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 and then the rich say, my gosh. They invest their money, and they spend what's left. The poor spend their money and try to invest what's left. The problem with poor people is they never invest. So here's the question. This is where I've probably just taken way too much time on this illustration. Here's the question. Is tithing, because that's that new word. A new word just kind of dropped. Last week, I think I mentioned it once. We're talking about giving. We're talking about giving a tenth. So what we really have to do is break it down and realize something. Ask the question, Jamie, ask the question that everybody's thinking and where the debate lies. Okay, God, I will. Is tithing, which is your first 10%, a New Testament principle? That's the question. So, see, the word testament means covenant. A covenant is a deep-seated agreement between God and His people. That's what a covenant is. So, now the question becomes, do we tithe, 10%, do we tithe in this new covenant? A lot of people in the room may say, absolutely, yes, Pastor Jamie, that's what we're supposed to do. I believe in the fullness of the gospel. And then some other people, don't meaning that you have a wrong heart or, or, or you're just way out there and wacky, would go, oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. No, that's, that's not what we're going to do. See, we tend to reject that which becomes personal. I think if Jesus was ever going to trump the tithe and say you never have to tithe according to New Testament principle, he would have done it in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, when he looked at the people and he said, you know what, you pay tithe, he uses that word, he says you pay tithe of mint and cumin and something else, and it's, it's the way that people would pay tithe in that day, but he says, you, you pay your tithe, but you've neglected ju- justice, mercy, and faith. 
And so here's what I tell you. You should have uh, done the latter, justice, mercy, and faith, while not letting the former be undone. In other words, I'm not telling you not to tithe, but I'm telling you there's something greater that you should be doing too. You should be showing justice and mercy and faith uh, to, to these people. Or when Jesus was caught up in a moment and we didn't have to give anything to God, he was caught in this moment and the Pharisees had asked him a question and he said, uh, what, what coin do you have? Let me see a coin. Whose picture is on this coin? Oh, okay, that's Caesar. Pay unto Caesar. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give unto God what is God's. That's what he says. But here's the reality that we have to understand. Giving. Tithing, it was instituted 2,000 plus years before the law. Go back and study it for yourself. Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 14, Genesis chapter 26, Genesis chapter 28. He begins this covenant. Abraham and him, he, he, he has this covenant. We see it all the way back to Genesis 4 where there's this, these two brothers, Cain and Abel. He rejected one's offering and accepted the other's offering. Why? Because one was of the first fruit. He brought, uh, he, he brought uh, a sacrifice of, of his livestock. There was a sacrifice that was made. The other guy, what he did was brought an offering. Now, now what would you do if you brought an offering before God and God rejected your offering? Now, how do you think that that made Cain feel? Well, you can go back and see how it made him feel. He became very greedy. He was jealous of his brother. He ends up killing his brother because of this greed and all of the stuff. Tithing originated from God's covenant, not the law. Which, if I, if I could have, I should have got with the, the tech team this week, and I, I should have just put law v. grace up here because there's another fight and an argument. Law versus grace. Well, Pastor Jamie, we're no longer under the law because tithing was part of the law. It was part of the Levitical law. But you got to understand, that law was written 2,000 years after Jesus had established a covenant between Him and His people. Right? And then Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. I didn't come to destroy. I came to fulfill. So law versus grace. Let's just have that conversation. If people under the law, because most people say, man, that church down there, they're teaching this. That's just a law principle. We don't have to live under the law. Bless God. Hallelujah. So if people under the law had to return 10%. You don't give something that's not yours. Listen to what the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 when he says, return unto me and I'll return unto you. You can't give something that's not yours. You return it. If it's not yours, you return it. See, there's some verbiage things there. So if the people under the law, under Old Testament covenant, right, had to return 10%, can I ask you a question? What the heck about people that are under grace? If 10% was the law, I mean, my gosh, for what Christ did for us and the life that we now live, I mean, I don't know. What the heck? I mean, I'm not really for sure. What, what should we give? I don't, I don't know. See, because here, people that don't, that don't like giving to God, number one, they're selfish. I've been that person, so I can say it. 
right? I've been selfish. I've been greedy. I've, I've withheld from God before in my life. God has spoke to me times in my... Since I've been a pastor, God has spoke to me before and said, give $1,000 over there, give $2,000 over there, give $5,000 over there. And I would just go, I, I, don't, I don't know all about that now. Get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I, I don't even understand. I know what I know. I know. But when people begin to use law versus grace, what they're trying to do is come up with an excuse of why they're not being obedient. Because the law, if you think about it, the law, and this is where I'm going to agree with some of these guys that say, hey man, it's not about law, it's about grace. We're in agreement. Awesome. Because the law is restricting. The law just puts you at a specific point. Grace is abundant. If we, give, uh, if we want to fight the issue of law versus grace, it wouldn't be about giving less. Because <laughs> that's where people want to go. They're like, oh, well, man, I'm under grace, so I don't have to give anything. Look, if you're paying more for cigarettes and direct TV than you're giving God, we've got a problem. And I say we. I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm, I'm talking about we all. If I have things in my life that's got my attention more than what God has my attention for, I've got something wrong on the inside of me. If I will go and spend $50 admitting me and my wife to a movie, heck, it's probably more like $65, and go in and watch a movie that says GD 17 umpteen times, but come to church and be like, yeah, worship wasn't good. Yeah, just, just don't give anything today. This is food. This is food. I think I mentioned this in week four, but I'll go ahead and throw it out in week two. But why don't you go to the restaurant today, go eat you some good food, get up from your table and walk out. Don't you pay for it? Because you live under grace. You live under grace. It doesn't matter. God loves you. You don't have to obey any of that stuff. I mean, God, God's love covers you. It don't matter. You may see blue lights, but those blue lights ain't coming for me. I, they ain't got me. Those blue lights ain't got no control over me. Just go do it. See what happens. But how many times do we sit at the feet of Jesus? We get fed a good meal and we just walk. And I'm not just talking about in the middle of a church service, but just anywhere, just being obedient to God. That's why I always say giving more than anything works selfishness out of our lives. you got to give. There's a story, Mark chapter 12. Go there with me just real quick. Let's, let's go there just real quick like. Mark chapter 12. Kenzie, go ahead and come out. I'm almost done here. We'll try to get you guys out of here in about 30 minutes. <laughs> Jill's like, we're driving to Missouri today. You better wrap it up, son. We've got to travel to Missouri today. Mark 12, 41 through 44. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how. Say how. This is where your heart comes in. See, you think Jesus is looking at the amount of your check. Jesus don't care about the amount of your check. He's looking at the size of your heart. Because he knows if he's got your heart, all of that stuff will work itself out. Amen. And here Jesus is sitting opposite of the treasury. So let's just say the radio flower wagon is the treasury. And which, by the way, people are bringing toys. Praise God. Man, that's awesome. We're going to bless these kids. So Jesus sat opposite of the treasury 
And he's just watching. He's sitting down. He's just watching how the people put money into the treasury. I wonder if Jesus sits back and he just watches when we leave and we put money in those black boxes. <laughs> I know that some people's like, oh my gosh, you've went way too far. This is ridiculous. Now I wonder, I wonder sometimes if he just sits back and watches Jamie and he just says, okay, I, I'm not worried about the amount. I've spoke to him about amount that doesn't matter. I want to see how he gives it. And the Bible says, and many who were rich put in much, which they should. The more you make, the more you should give. Right? Let's go to the next verse, verse 42. Then one poor widow, say poor. poor. One poor widow came and threw in two mites. Some people would say that translates into a couple pennies, which makes a quadrants. Let's go to the next verse. So he called his disciples to himself. He gets the attention of Jesus. Because he's sitting here and he's going, I wonder what toys they're bringing today. Ah, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Oh, gosh. Hold on just a second. And all of his disciples are like, dude, that's a Dollar Tree toy. What does that matter? And he's going, oh, no, 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 no. Surely I say to you that this poor widow, she's put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. What? Come on, Jesus. That's a toy from dollars. That's the Dollar Tree toy. We don't understand. Did you see the big bicycles? And did you see all of the other stuff? And the treasury that day would, would, would they, they had, their currency would have been uh, not paper. The currency would have been coins. Okay. So with the bigger the offering, the louder the noise. So as they were giving, everybody would have kind of known. They're like, oh, yeah, man, big rich people coming in, dropping in these big old offerings and going through. And it's not that God doesn't honor the big offerings, praise God. But what God is looking for is he's looking at the heart. Because the man who drops off the big offering may have been grumbling the whole stinking time. Oh, I don't know why I gotta be obedient, but if I'm Jewish, I gotta be obedient. I gotta do this, and I'm gonna take my money to the treasury, to the synagogue. I don't know why I act like that. Don't know why I do that, but this is how I preach, okay? <laughs> but Jesus is standing at attention, and he's drawing all of his disciples over, and he's saying, "Guys, you gotta get it. This lady has given in more to the treasury than everybody else combined." It doesn't make sense. Why? Because it's how. It goes back to the how. Let's go to verse 44 real quick. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, all she had, her whole livelihood, everything, everything she had, her whole livelihood, so when other people were coming around and they were going, oh, hey, 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 clink, 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 and throwing in big old offerings, here this little lady is, and she's got what she's got. And she's following. I could only imagine her holding on, and it wouldn't be like I'm holding on to this, but for some of us, this is what we're holding on to. And she's following all of these people and I could just imagine her walking and saying, God, I know that your word is true. 
And I'm always going to keep you first and foremost into my life. And you're always going to get what I have. And I'm telling you right now, I don't have a McDonald's sandwich. I don't have a Sonic cheeseburger. I don't have anything to my name. I don't even have a house. I'm just a poor widow. My husband didn't leave me with anything. But if I've got you, I've got everything. So God, I bring you my two mites today. I give you everything that I have. And out of her livelihood, her whole livelihood, she gave everything that she had. Come on. You know what that tells me? How you approach giving to God determines everything in your life. It's not the how much, it's the how. He watched how they put it in. He didn't say, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Because here, here's what happens in church world, and I'll, I'll just reveal this to you as a preacher. The more people give, they think they should have more time from you. Or more influence within the local body. Nowhere in scripture do I see that. Hey, he just said that. <laughs> That's why I always tell people, I don't care if you get $5 a week or $5,000 a week. I'm not going to treat you any different. Yeah. This preacher won't. I'm not treating you any different than someone else. Now, some people will go, oh, man, now come on now. You know you got to because they're paying the bills. No, no the, the person that's giving $5 is paying the bills too. What are you talking about? It may only be 2% of the bills, but it's thinking 2% of the bills. What are you thinking? If it wasn't for those people, it's not about the how much, it's the how. She had a spirit of sacrifice. And if I prayed anything over all of our church today, I would pray this. Just have a spirit of sacrifice. If God asks for it, give it to Him. Don't hold back because of what you think is best. If God is saying it to you, give it to Him because He knows what is best. It's not about what you think is best. It's about what He knows is best for you and my life. God is drawn to a sacrificial heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. I'm done. I'm praying right after this. I promise. Please don't leave. We've got a couple little things that we want to tell you before you leave. I know it's a little later, but it's all good in the hood. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Pull that up just real quick. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. This is where a lot of people that don't give to God what God asks for biblically... This is where they go back and they go, well, hey, hold on just a second. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. See, God knows my heart. Yeah, that's right. I'm not saying your $20 a week is not going to make a difference because it will in someone's life, just not yours. Because I can't find anywhere in Scripture that says the blessing is going to come over your life when you do that. Mm-mm-mm. Y'all may want to come back next week because <laughs> it's going to get good. As each one purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. In other words, not grudgingly. And, oh, Margaret, just write the check. Write the check. Grudgingly. No. Or of necessity. Well, I guess we have to give. If that's what the Word says, we have to give. No. You don't have to. And if you feel like you have to, don't. Because your heart's not right. Actually, as a preacher, let me, let me back up. If you feel like you have to, just keep doing it. But you don't have to. Amen. Some of you got it. Some of you did. For God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. I told Kenzie the last service, you, you ought to play, play us some, uh, play us some, 
some fast music. Can you play like I went to the enemy's camp or something? Can you play something like that on there? Can you? Come on, I'm putting you on. So this is third service. This is rowdy crowd. Come on, something. Come on, give me some upbeat music. Come on. All right. You Pentecostal or are you not Pentecostal? Which one? You good? Where's my drummer at? Get out here. Where's my drummer? Y'all, uh, welcome the drummer out to the stage. Come on. Get out here, boy. Get out here. Come on. I'm trying to do an example. Get out here. This is funny. Here, I, I, get up there. Get up there. Come on. Come on. Kenzie, Kenzie's going to follow you, okay? This, we're going to give an example of a cheerful giver. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? What if, what if one day, now we're probably not going to do this, but, but when God says a cheerful giver, hey, give me, give me some of that 2-4. That 2-4. That 2-4. Oh! Now what if we just lined up some offering buckets and during the offering time, it was just happy. Woo! Come on, God. I'm going to give it to you, God. Give it to you, God. And you just begin to have fun with it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You got to learn from that. You got to learn from it. Come on. Come on. I wanted her to kick off with that, you know, I went to the enemy's camp. Hey, you know. She done lost that about 10 years ago. Girl. It's all right to have fun in church, isn't it? It's good, but that's a cheerful giver. What if we come to the house of God or wherever you give at and you just go, you know what? This is fun for me because I get to bless people. I get to do this and this is what God's word instructs me to do and I'm gonna do it with all of my heart and then that two four kicks back in and there's something happens on the inside of you and you just begin to go, man, this is fun. So the last question I have, and I'm praying, if the altar team would come, and I'll, I'll help Barry out because he's going to call them up. Y'all just go ahead and come and stand around the front. We're not going back into the altar time. It's all good. But at the end of the service, when you're dismissed, they'll, they'll be up here for you. So the question is this. Do you give to get, or do you get to give? Hallelujah. Raise your hands to heaven. Come on, Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love your word. We're just falling in love with your word. Continue to speak. Continue to grow us. Stretch us, Jesus. God, even today, in the midst of these three services, as I am preaching, I am being stretched myself. I just want to be obedient to you. God, if I can understand you are first, and then I get my heart right, the next step is walking it out. It's deciding to be obedient. So Father, we're going to talk about that next week, and we're going to flow through some of those things, but God, we're just going to open our lives up to you. This is not about money. If we make it about money, we miss it. God, you're not just trying to get something from your people. You don't need stuff from your people. It's already yours. You're trying to get biblical principles into the hearts of your people. Touch us as we continue to learn and glean from your word. And maybe, just maybe, today, every head bowed, every eye closed, 
I can't do a service, guys, no matter what topic it is, without giving an invitation to come to the knowledge of Jesus. So if you're in this room and you say, hey man, I don't have all the things lined up and in order in my life, maybe it's because Jesus is not first in your life. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, Jesus is probably not first. It's not about making Him first in your finances. First in your finances will come once you really put Jesus first. So if you're struggling with this over here, go back over here and say, God, is there anything that I'm missing? Is there something that's blocking me from your will, from your call, from your purpose? And maybe there's some sin in your life that you need to confess to God. If that's you today, without hesitation, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, raise your hand real quick. Come on, pop your hand up. Thank you. Pop your hand up in the, in the auditorium. Thank you. I see hands. They're, they're going up. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you real quick. Say this. Say this with me. If you're online right now, this is for you too. Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody in the room, let's say it together. Say, Jesus. In this moment, I've realized that my heart is not 100% right with you. I confess my faults. I confess my sins. And I ask that you become the Lord of my life. Use me from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap today. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about Compassion Church Dixon, go to our website, CompassionDixon.Church. If you would like to become a monthly financial partner, go to our website and click Give. Join us on Sundays in person or online and be sure to follow us on social media. Also, be sure to share this episode with someone or online and tag us. Until next time.